As the iconic crystal ball climbs up one Times Square, millions of spectators wait in brutal cold to count down. I'm freezing. Frozen. Frozen to the bone. What have you been doing since 6 a.m.? Uh, losing our toes. Are you regretting it now a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> everybody, my name is Shauna and this is the American English Podcast. My goal here is to teach you the English spoken in the United States through common expressions, pronunciation tips, and interesting cultural snippets or stories. I hope to keep this fun, useful, and interesting. Let's do it. Hello, happy almost New Year's. And as usual, I'm ready to spend New Year's Eve at home watching the countdown till New Year's 2020. According to USA Today, one million people gather in New York City's Times Square for the iconic ball drop. 198 million Americans watch it on television and one billion people around the world watch as well as this six-ton ball drops as the new year approaches. In that introduction from the CBS New York YouTube channel, you heard just how freezing it is waiting outside all day long. Some people get there at 6 a.m. in the morning to get a place in the viewing areas, and once they're inside, they can't really leave. So there aren't any bathrooms. I remember when I lived in New York City, some people mentioned that a lot of the viewers wear adult diapers so that they can go to the bathroom and maintain their place in line, if you get what I mean. And a lot of people do this because it's on their bucket list. It's something that they want to do at least once in their lives. As you heard the guy at the end mention, it's on my bucket list. Who needs toes anyway, right? So it's so cold, you could almost lose your toes. So in today's episode, we'll talk about why in the world a ball is dropped at Times Square on New Year's. But before we get to that, we'll do a joke, an expression, and some pronunciation exercises, all that have to do with balls. (laughs) So let's start with the joke. Why was Cinderella kicked off the basketball team? Any ideas? She ran away from the ball. (laughs) Get it? Yeah, so there's a word play there on the word ball. A ball is, of course, a sphere or egg-shaped object, such as basketballs, footballs, soccer balls, ping pong balls, etc., Right. So in a game of basketball, you definitely do not want a team player who runs away from the ball. You hope that your teammates run towards the ball or in the direction of the ball to get it. What makes this joke funny is that a ball is also a formal social gathering that involves dancing. In the Disney movie Cinderella, a fairy godmother puts a spell on Cinderella that will last until midnight, at which point her beautiful white ball gown, her glass slippers, and her horse and carriage will turn back into what they originally were. So I think that was maybe a pumpkin for the carriage, mice for her horses, and I think she was just wearing a kind of ripped dress beforehand. So Cinderella runs away from the ball, 
because midnight was approaching, she ran away from the ball. The ball can be a ball, the event. It can also be the ball, like the sphere object. So I'm guessing that joke was pretty easy to understand. So let me tell you it one more time. Why was Cinderella kicked off the basketball team? She ran away from the ball. That brings us to the expression of the day, which is to drop the ball. To drop means to let something fall or to let go of something. So a uh, mom might drop her kids off at school in the morning. She kind of lets them go. Also, you can drop something while carrying it. For example, a glass of water. You can drop and it'll land on the floor and splash everywhere. To drop the ball or to let the ball drop as an expression means to miss an opportunity because you fail to commit. You do not follow through. You do not carry out your plans. You can probably imagine, actually, in a game of basketball, if you have the ball and you have the opportunity to shoot and score, dropping the ball would mean that you miss that opportunity. Makes sense, right? So let's go through some more examples so that you can hear this expression used in a few more different contexts. Example number one. Imagine that you go to a networking event in New York City. Inside of the room, there are a ton of very important people. And amidst them, you see the head of a company you'd love to work for. So you muster up all of your courage to go up and talk to him. And to your surprise, he's a really cool guy. You hit it off. He gives you his business card and tells you to reach out. Therefore, you leave the event feeling great. But then you drop the ball. You don't write him. You don't reach out because you're busy with other things. And because you don't follow through, you missed the opportunity of potentially working for that company. You didn't commit. You dropped the ball. Example number two. Imagine that you've decided to volunteer at a senior citizen home and you feel great about it. You know that you will spend meaningful hours with people who can share their stories with you and who you will also be able to help in other ways. One day, the organizer of volunteers at this senior citizen home calls you and tells you, yeah, sure, you can volunteer, but you need to come in at 4 a.m. in the morning in order to do it. You want to help, but 4 a.m. in the morning is just simply too early. So you let the ball drop. You do not commit. You do not carry out your plans. You do not follow through because the time is too early. You dropped the ball. Example number three. Recently, Lucas, uh, my husband and I, have been looking for a caretaker for Julia, our daughter, so that we can have a few extra hours in the week to work. We've never had someone take care of Julia before other than my mom. And so after looking and receiving some applications from potential hires, I sort of dropped the ball. I failed to follow through with hiring someone. The reason being I'm hesitant and nervous about the idea of hiring someone, which is exactly what my husband warned me about. He said, don't drop the ball. 
but I did. All right, I hope that makes a little bit more sense. Let's go through some pronunciation exercises. We'll use don't drop the ball. Repeat after me. Don't. Don't drop. Don't drop the. Don't drop the ball. Don't drop the ball. All right, and the conjugation, repeat after me. I dropped the ball. You dropped the ball. He dropped the ball. She dropped the ball. They dropped the ball. We dropped the ball. It dropped the ball. Notice how the ed ending has a very, very slight sound of a T here. She dropped the ball. That's because the P, which is the last consonant in drop, right? Drop. You can't hear your throat vibrate when you say that P sound. The sound comes directly from your mouth and therefore it is voiceless or unvoiced. And that's why the ED ending has a T sound. Now it's very, very slight in this sentence because a consonant follows. Dropped, right? Dropped the ball, dropped the ball. You can barely hear that T sound, but it is there. We do not get rid of it. Once again, if you do want to practice more pronunciation, there is the American English Accent course, which is available online at AmericanEnglishPodcast.com. I will also add a link to it to the episode notes. Let's move on to the topic of the day, which is why a ball is dropped at Times Square on New Year's. As I mentioned, every year, millions of people watch on TV as a giant ball is lowered from the top of a building in Times Square, New York. The tradition of watching the ball drop is common across the United States, even oftentimes in the middle of a raging New Year's Eve party, people will turn on a live streaming of the event in Times Square just to see the ball be lowered and count down sometimes from 60, sometimes from 10, with the crowd in New York. So before researching this episode, I never asked why we lower a ball in New York City. Fortunately, on the official Times Square website, I was able to find a short and wonderful video that answered the exact question of why the ball is dropped. I've decided to retell this story to you in my own way, so let's begin. One of the reasons why Times Square is called Times Square is because it was named after the first building there, which was for the New York Times newspaper. The New York Times newspaper decided in 1904 that they wanted to move up to what is now Times Square, which had no buildings. Everyone thought they were crazy. They said, how do you plan on delivering newspapers if your building is all the way up there? You will be so far away from everybody and everything. But the New York Times was actually thinking ahead. There was a rail line or a metro line being built up to that area. 
And so they were the first to actually use it. They had a printing press underground where they printed the newspapers, and then they would send those newspapers south to the south part of Manhattan. And they were able to actually deliver more newspapers than some of their competitors. They were able to get their newspapers out quicker. And so the New York Times grew in popularity. But the thing is, in 1904, they still wanted to get more recognition. So they decided that they wanted to throw a big party, the New Year's Eve party. At that time, New Year's Eve had been celebrated at Trinity Church, which is actually more south. And the elders or the people who worked at the church didn't like that New Year's was celebrated there. People would drink occasionally, according to the video. They would throw bricks and they would break windows. So they said, if you want to take New Year's, feel free, go ahead. You can celebrate New Year's at your building and yeah, just take the event away from us. And so they did. The first year that New Year's was celebrated in Times Square or in front of this New York Times building was in 1904. And from 1904 until 1907, they had a ton of fireworks. Fireworks are those explosives that we set off and explode in the sky, letting off a bunch of different colors. But the problem with setting off fireworks was that the ash from the fireworks landed on the public below. For about three years, it went on like that before they decided they needed to make a change. So they decided, we will adopt the maritime tradition or the tradition of the ocean of boats (laughs) of lowering a ball at noon. It would be an alternative to setting off fireworks. And so they built a ball out of iron and wood, and they put 120-watt light bulbs in it. Now, that was the same ball they used from 1907 to 1920. From 1920 to 1954, they changed the material to simply iron, which, uh, oddly enough, was lighter than the original From 1954 to 1995, the material changed to aluminum, or if you're British, aluminum. And from 1995, they added computer controls and strobe lights to a glitter ball, right, which was very, very shiny. In 1999, for the millennium, they decided to create a millennium ball, which was over 1,000 pounds and was the largest crystal ball at the time. Of course, they made updates since then. They got Philips LED lights and could create a bunch of different images on it. So that's the ball we use today, the one that was created in 2007, and it's over 11,000 pounds, so six tons. It's much more energy efficient, despite being bigger, (laughs) than all of the balls that came before it. That is the same ball that will be lowered on Times Square in just about a week's time. In my opinion, it's pretty interesting to see how this tradition changed based on the materials available and what was going on at any given time. For example, there were only two years when the ball was not lowered in 1942 and in 1943, 
when the U.S. government was afraid that German subs during World War II were in the oceans, and the ball would seem like a lighthouse. They would see it from afar, and then New York City would become a target. And so they decided to ring bells instead. I also think it's interesting that up until a certain year, they had men with ropes actually lowering the ball, and they used a stopwatch to keep track of the time. Of course, now everything is automated. So to wrap this up, I would like to share a few of the interesting facts I read on the official Times Square website. If you are interested in going to Times Square on New Year's Eve, I do recommend going to that website and not just showing up there on the day. I think you will be disappointed because there are a lot of specific things you should know. For one, no alcohol or champagne is allowed because in New York City, drinking is illegal in public. Police will confiscate the alcohol. The other thing is that there are no portable restrooms in Times Square during the celebration, hence the diapers <laughs> that I mentioned before. There are only specific streets where you can enter, so that's another reason you should look at the website. If you are not in New York City and you would like to watch the ball drop, you can stream it. They are live for six and a half hours, and it's commercial-free mobile stream. That you can access at timessquarenyc.org. You can get that live mobile stream on their homepage, or you can download the live stream for mobile in the Apple Store and via Google Play by connecting to New Year's Eve live webcast. All right, so that's it for today's episode. If you're interested in getting the bonus material for this episode. As usual, you can access that at AmericanEnglishPodcast.com. It is there under the classroom page. I hope you have a wonderful new year with your friends and family or however you're celebrating. And I will talk to you next year. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the American English Podcast. Remember, it's my goal here to not only help you improve your listening comprehension, but to show you how to speak like someone from the States. If you want to receive the full transcript for this episode, or you just want to support this podcast, make sure to sign up to premium content on AmericanEnglishPodcast.com. Thanks and hope to see you soon.